Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, hello and welcome back to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. It's marvelous to have you with us for one more week. Wow, and what a week it has! What a week it has been. Uh, we've, we've had a we've had, <laughs> Wow, we've we've had a little. Uh, sorry, that was my attempt at doing a Richie Benno impersonation. Uh, pretty pretty bad one at that, but uh, uh, you know you you got to try these things. Uh, sometimes they work, that was great, and uh, most of the time it's uh, case of uh, of that. Um, so yeah, we've had, we've had a little break. We're we're back. We're ready to jump back on the bandwagon. There's a lot of gaming news that's uh, absolutely coming at us like a freight train. And so to sort through the the good, the bad, and the ugly, I've got with me, as always, the DG crew. We've got the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, soon to be the proud owner of a bright and shiny new PS5, despite Ooh. its lack of Steam compatibility. <laughs> It's Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Ferg. Oh, g'day, JB. Thanks for having me, mate. No Steam, but I can pre-order on a PlayStation 5, um, I've been told, Ooh, so I'm you, looking forward to doing that. You absolutely can, <laughs> and, and what a catalogue there is to pre-order, I can tell you. Also with us, we've got the Nintendo Queen. She's considering the purchase of the Aya Neo Next for all the trips she takes on public transport, despite its eye-watering price tag nearly making it as expensive as the bus on which she's riding. It's Casey C-Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C-Mac. Thanks, Joel. Have no pre-orders here yet for the, uh, for the oh. Ironeo, unfortunately. Oh, give, it, give it time, give it time. Yeah. Also, finally, we've got uh, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage. He's excited about the possibility of pounding some freshly minted Kremlings, and he doesn't care who knows. It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Thank you so much, JB. Pounding is my middle name, Simon <laughs> John Pounding. Wow. Uh, and everything nice. else comes after that. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah good pounding. Did we, did we get any extra news on the, uh, the, the Donkey Kong uh, trademarks that were registered? Is it, is it, uh, is it a red herring? No, or? well... Yeah, no, so I actually uh, contacted Nintendo last week, and that's the, that's the reason why we didn't have the show, because we we're all away in Japan talking to Nintendo last week. Oh, and, fantastic. Uh, and basically, I got the scoop. I got the scoop. I went and talked to um, Shigeru Miyamoto down there in Nintendo, and um, basically oh. he, he said to me um, in, in this little soundbite that I sent you just today, Joel, yeah, yeah, I'd sure, love you man. to play it for everyone. Um, this, is, this is what the response was that he gave me today. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so 
fuck all on the Donkey Kong uh, <laughs> uh, stage there. Absolutely next to nothing. Well, Who knows? Might be nothing, might be something. Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I can tell you right now, there's plenty of fire coming from the PlayStation Store with the new game Stray, developed by Blue 12 Studio and published by Annapurna Interactive. It launched today on PS4, PS5 and PC and is free for anyone with a subscription to PlayStation Plus Extra or higher. It's scored an impressive 84 on Metacritic and will definitely be on a lot of players' hit lists after its teaser trailer debut at the State of Play earlier in the year. So I've downloaded it. Uh, and I intend to give the discerning gamer a review once I've had the chance to dive in, which should hopefully be uh, later this week. And uh, what about what about the rest of the crew? Have we um, have we had a look at Stray? Have we downloaded mm. it, or intending to to have a bit of a play? Not yet, JB. I'm waiting on the PS5. But as you said, um, without boring everyone with my life, I'm trading in my PS4 Pro, and I hadn't had a PSN or whatever, the PlayStation Plus subscription for about a year or something. So I had to sign up again in order to back all my files up before I formatted it. Yeah. And in doing so, I've signed up for the extra tier of the PlayStation ah, Plus. Very so good. A lot, um, of, lot of goodies to be had in, absolutely. That, uh, in that extra tier. Just make tier. sure you, um, you first play I Am Jesus Christ first. I want to hear that review before you play straight. Yeah. Check, yeah. Check to, I checked the Steam that. page again. I was in the community forums. It's a bit quiet over there on the uh, I Am Jesus <laughs> yeah. front, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still hanging out. I'll still play it, All but right. I think... Yeah, I think I might get an opportunity to play Stray before that one is released. So, yeah, I'm going to dive in as well, JB, once PS5 rocks up. Very good, very good. Uh, Also, yeah, Yeah. oh, well, you know, I can't wait to hear all about it. Also, (laughs) um, (laughs) Uh, also, (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell, Simon. this week, we also saw the the <laughs> debut of a trailer for the new RoboCop Rogue City, uh, which will give the players the opportunity to play as RoboCop Alex Murphy in a first-person shooter take on the classic 80s action hero movie. So, due to release in June 2023, so we're, we're looking at you know 12 months 12 out months. and we've started the hype train rolling already. Uh, it'll be coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and Switch. The developer, Taeon, and publisher, Nacon, have announced that actor Peter Weller, who I actually had to look up who the fuck Peter Weller was because there was a lot of uh, hype on the forums with everyone going, oh, Peter Weller's coming back to voice Robocop. <laughs> Uh, so, Peter Weller, for those who don't know, portrayed Alex Murphy in the movies Robocop 1 and 2. So, he was Robocop uh, in those movies, uh, which I didn't know, but uh, now I do, and now do all of you. Yeah, um, so, he'll be providing all the voiceover work for Robocop in the game. To be honest, I can, I can sort of understand why people are excited. Uh, on the other hand, who gives a fuck who's voicing Robocop in the game? Mm. Yeah. Really, <laughs> he's going to have like well, a digitized you know, I mean, voice. It's the so. same. Oh, sorry, you go first. <clears throat> no, 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 I was just saying he's going to have a digitized voice. So you know, sure. Mm. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I think- it, it, to me, it's not a huge draw card for the game. If if the game, you know, is a is a complete and utter you know piece of shit, you know, <laughs> uh, who, it's who just really that knows? Bit of, 
it's a little bit of fan service, I guess, for the people that really, really love RoboCop. I don't know anybody that loves RoboCop because I have friends with lives. But um, well, the, hang, the hang on, is- Simon. Emotional <laughs> damage. Don't go hanging <laughs> shit on the RoboCop fans already, mate. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. But 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 um, they did the same sort of thing, I guess, in um in the Batman Arkham series by getting the uh, voice cast from the animated series to come through and do that, you know, with Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. So it's a bit of fan service. It's a nice little touch for people that really love the franchise and and love the originals and, you know, it's it's something for them to get excited about Mm. because, you know, they can't get excited about the graphics, so. Yeah. Well, the the summary on Steam reads as follows. Become the iconic part-man, part-machine, all-cop hero as you attempt to bring justice to the dangerous, crime-ridden streets of old Detroit. Armed with your trusty Auto 9, factory-built strength, years of experience on the force, and a variety of tools at your disposal, you will fight forces seeking to destroy the city you call home in an all-new first-person explosive hunt for the truth. You have the power to decide how to fulfil prime directives in your own way, But as the story unfolds, proceed with caution because corruption and greed know no limits. Prepare yourself to dot, 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 protect the innocent and uphold the law. What a shit. Whoever wrote that (laughs) needs to to be immediately fired from from Nacon because that read, that was a doesn't inspire you. No, nah, I'm bored already, and I haven't even I haven't even got to the you know the rest of the game, honestly. Mm. Um, well, I, I watched the trailer, and I actually thought it looked quite interesting. Like it didn't look horrible. Um, and what I'm sort of hoping for this game is, I'm you know if uh, you know everyone enjoys a story where you sort of start out as no one and you become somebody, and there's a lot of character development. I hope this RoboCop, you just come in and from day dot, you are just the man and you are kicking ass. Like I think of some of my favourite movies like John Wick and Taken. It's just from the get-go, it's just this character. You don't really know anything about him other than that he's just a badass and you just go in and you just wreck total havoc. And that's what the sort of trailer looked like. You know, RoboCop was just blasting people with his limbs flying everywhere and he was just, you know, shooting first and asking questions later. So yeah. I might, it might be fun on, on that. That sort of thing. I hope that's the way it goes. It's well, just... I, I did see, you know, heads exploding and, yeah, limbs. I thought of you, Joel, when I saw that. I saw uh, a few limbs flying, decapitations. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's nothing nothing more fun than, you know, blasting someone's head off in a virtual <laughs> environment. But, uh, look, to me, the <clears throat> graphics looked pretty janky in some yeah, parts. Yeah. Um, like some some of the, the, the parts, which I, I get the feeling might have been cut scenes, Looked really crisp. Like there was a, a picture of Robocop actually getting out of his uh, like police car and he, he sort of looks straight down the barrel of the camera and the graphics in that spot looked like really, mm. really good, like top notch. Like you had the ray traced sort of effects bouncing off of his, you know, metal helmet and all that yeah. sort of thing. Looked sick. And then they showed another bit where it was like the, the CEO of Oscorp or whatever the, the, the evil corporation is in the Robocop movies. And it looked like, like you know, something from almost you know very early PS4 days. Like mm-hmm. you know, it looked looked like it was straight out of 2013. You know, mm-hmm. um, which 
doesn't uh, inspire confidence, um, mm. unfortunately. Oh, well, we've still got a year and, you know, it was a Peter Weller on the class. Yeah, yeah, old, he's, old uh, yeah. Is he brother of uh, Fanny, is it? Uh, oh, no, sorry, I'm getting my wires crossed. That's that's Fanny Schmeller. Oh, okay, Not- well... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> F- Fanny Weller apparently oh, sorry. Uh, starring yeah. in the game. So, uh, uh, <laughs> no, nice one, Ferg. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, on 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 that note, uh, uh, we might as well. Um, now's as good a time as any to to uh, hand over to to you, Ferg, for. For a quick uh, rundown on a, a new offering from Ubisoft. Now that I've absolutely rattled you with my joke, JB, I'll um, get things back on track. So, um, some news out of Ubisoft last week. Now, there hasn't been a whole lot of love for Ubisoft on on the podcast to date. So, I thought, you know what, I'll show them some love. And, you know, when I think about the last 20 years of gaming, I mean, Ubisoft games... I've always played, and there's been some fantastic series of games. So you think about the Tom Clancy series of games, the Far Cry games are fantastic. Um, Assassin's Creed, I'm happy to go on record to say that some of my favourite games of all time. Obviously, there's been some good ones and some not-so-good ones, but two in particular, um, which are going to rank up very highly on my greatest games of all, all time. And the first one's Assassin's Creed 2, which was which was fantastic. But the other Yum. one was Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which I absolutely adored. The amount of hours I put into that game, and I think I, I pretty much platinum the whole thing. So when in 2017 at E3, Ubisoft dropped the cinematic announcement trailer for Skull and Bones, the su- spiritual successor to Assassin's Creed Black Flag... I was well and truly sitting up the front with the driver on the hype train. I could not wait. It looked fantastic. But you, you did say black flag then, didn't you? I did. Okay, good. What did you hear, JB? Something else? Uh, yeah, something that's not LGBT <laughs> friendly. Um, anyway, let's... Uh, I heard I, black cigarette. Okay. Yeah, I saw, yeah. Continue. I saw about the bag. <laughs> anyway, so here we are in 2022 after... Years of delays caused by numerous of reasons, such as you know constant changes in the the game's direction, internal conflicts between development teams, you know key project teams leaving. Finally, last week Ubisoft have dropped another somatic trailer, as well as a huge gameplay video and a release date confirming that the game is actually going to come out before the end of this year. So, well, you know that's uh, that's got to be a uh... nice car. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with Skull and Bones, you missed the news. Essentially, it's a it's a naval combat game, an online naval combat game. I should definitely specify where players will assume the role of a shipwrecked outcast, and you basically will you know follow his journey on his journey to become an infamous pirate captain. So from the store page, you know, enter the perilous paradise of Skull and Bones inspired by the Indian Ocean during the golden age of piracy as you overcome the odds and rise from an outcast to an infamous pirate. Grow your infamy to gain access to more resources and opportunities as you take on riskier contracts to gain the most loot. Craft up to 12 ships, ships and customize them with a variety of weapons and armor to maximize your chances for, for success. But be wary in this untamed world inspired by the indian ocean there are predators lurking around every corner choose how you want to take on the seas sail solo or team up with two friends to watch your back in either pve or pvep so um 
like I said, online, no campaign. Um, this is going to be a live game where you're basically thrown into a world and you'll basically write your own story. Um, so obviously from what I've seen, there's going to be a big emphasis on the crafting side of the game. Um, you'll be predominantly ship-based, but there's going to be a whole stack of outposts and different places throughout the world um, that you'll be out that'll house you know, NPCs, buried treasure and stuff like that, um, where you'll secure new contracts and new pl- blueprints as you progress through infamy tiers. Right, um, some thoughts. So 2017, I was well and truly excited for this one. In 2022, I've got some concerns. Um, well, we, we'd better hear them. Here they are. Um, I think if you weren't really paying attention to what I just said or you've just tuned in, you'd be mistaken to think that I was talking about another game called Sea of Thieves, Sea of Thieves, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, but that's an amazing open world naval combat game. Play with friends, make your own story in a living world. So when I look at Skull and Bones in 2022, that's a very similar sort of way direction they're heading with their game. Um, and I'm maybe a little bit concerned that the, the ship has sailed on the idea of this game from our friends at Ubisoft because they're going to be in direct competition with a very well-established and well-loved game. Obviously, there's going to be differences, um, but, you know, the premise is very similar for both games. So, Mm. the gameplay, it looks good. It looks pretty good. Um, Maybe, I think one of the videos they had was about an hour long and after watching that, it it sort of starts to look like it's getting a bit samey. So, it'll be interesting to see how they keep this fresh and exciting for you know, for players and try to hook them in indefinitely. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think the other thing is, and I know Casey's going to talk about this in a second, so I'm not going to steal her thunder, but they've sure. given us a release date. And of all of the days that you would release this game, they've decided on November the 8th. And oh I, I checked. That's a when- very, very busy time of year uh for gaming yes so i did check and they more or less announced this the same time as this other game which we're going to talk about in a second which is coming out the day after just god of war obviously so outside of (laughs) elden ring god of war is probably the most anticipated game of this year's calendar and so they're releasing a game which looks very similar to sea of thieves in many different ways and they're launching it the day before god of war Arguably one of the biggest games, so I'm really, I'm really hoping this is going to be a good game, but I have some concerns about where it's going to be positioned in itself in in six months' time. Now, Sea of Thieves, if if you guys haven't played it, fantastic game. I would never play it by myself. It's a game that you have to play with friends to get the most out of it. And yeah, hundred percent. I just hope like all of the stuff they're saying. Yeah, yeah, you can play by yourself, but you know, play with friends. And they were sort of always leaning towards that you're going to have more fun with friends. And so that's, yeah, that's a bit of a black flag, a black flag, a red flag there in itself is <laughs> to spend $80 on a game which you're probably going to want to play with friends. Um, and there's not not really any talk of it being like live service, like, you know, free to play. And, no, you know. it's, it's shipping is a full AAA, you know, 100 bucks, 80, 90 bucks or whatever it is on whatever platform you play it's coming to everything yeah. um, by the way so you know there's an d- investment from the get-go um but i just yeah i feel like this game it might struggle a little bit to get well, the sales up joel ubisoft um the ball's hardened. <laughs> 
I know you had a look at it, Joel, and you were talking about it. What are your thoughts on it? You think it looked all right? Look, or? It, it looked good. I mean, I must admit, I'm not familiar with Sea of Thieves. I haven't um, played it much. I mean, for me, I I tend to prefer um, you know, a, lot, a lot of games that are sort of more single-player focused um, because then you know it doesn't matter if you want to uh, play at, at odd times of the day mm. or night. You don't have to worry about having a group of friends online that can play with you, you know, at a particular time and all that. And um, and like I, I find that the story experiences that you have in single player games, such as like your God of War, Horizon, you know, games like that, tend to be a bit deeper and a bit more um, enjoyable than than just playing round after round of you know battle royales with with a big group of people that's just my mm. my personal uh, opinion and and i know that many people would disagree with me because there's plenty of people that love the the battle royale and live service format um not not that this is a live service but they could very well go that that path and and maybe releasing it uh, the day before god of war ragnarok might uh you know, change the way that they think about that format a little bit, but yeah, I, 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 you know, looking back, I think it was nearly the exact same day. I think I'd have to go back and double check that, but it was around the same time that they announced for both games when they're coming out. So maybe give them benefit yeah. of doubt. They had no idea that you know God of War was and then that team was going to announce their game that day or the day after to come out at a mm. similar time. But I think that's going to make it a little bit harder for them. Um, well, I can tell you right now, I will definitely buy God of War Ragnarok. Mm. I might look at Skull and Bones, but definitely not on day one. Mm. Um, at, at most, I might wait until it comes on on sale or you know mm. uh, becomes a, a a PlayStation Plus extra freebie or, or whatever. I, I, I mean, I'm just guessing yeah. that this sort of thing will happen. But I think that's where my enthusiasm sort of waned a bit. You know, in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, a single player game the you know the ship sailing stuff and that was fantastic um whereas this is sort of now moving away to a online you know play with friends kind of experience as opposed to in assassin's creed that sort of broke up a lot of the assassin's creedness of the game up by you know traveling to different places in a ship and it was sort of a an add-on to the game essentially so yeah, yeah sure. i don't know we'll see I, I i hope it i hope it's a winner but yeah unless i can find a, a crew of you know, land-loving pirates to play with. I think this one might not end up on the pre-order list. What do you reckon, Simon and Casey? I know you guys have played Sea of Thieves. Um, yeah, um, I really liked Sea of Thieves for about an hour, and then <laughs> you know, it's one of those games like like we were just talking about, like Joel just mentioned. You know, you have to gather a bunch of mates together on a specific time and all get on at the same time and, and, and play. And if you play for a really short amount of time and see if these kind of feels a bit pointless mm. because I think that that game felt at its best when you played a really large session and went out and did a whole bunch of fun things. And what was cool about see if these as well is that they were really um, clever in the way of implementing how you dealt with, random players as well like if you were far away and you're getting close to random players you know their voices would sound far away and then it would come closer and you know you could attack them and all that and everything that is basically come up in that trailer for skull and bones as you said ferg it just feels like it's already been done and mm -hmm. to do it 
it, you know, and for Ubisoft to do it, it even <laughs> makes me less want to play it, you know? Uh, <laughs> hang, hang on, it's... Simon, hang on. <laughs> Emotional damage. I won't well, hear you know, a bad I, word I against after... my, my friends at Ubisoft. Come on. <laughs> nah, nah. I just, uh, I mean, I didn't really like Black Flag as well. That was that was me. I, I, I'm not one for the for the naval combat stuff. It, it, I find that it, it, it frustrates me a lot because I, I feel like it's not been done in a way that I like yet. And I mean, that's just a personal preference. But um, I enjoyed how Sea of Thieves wasn't just about naval combat combat and going around your ships you had to like kind of repair your ship as you went along and it was a lot of fun you were laughing with your mates a lot of the time Mm. and i think that's what was good about it is that there was just a lot of it opened its way for a lot of comedy whereas this feels like it's almost a little bit too serious and it's Mm. just going to be like well you know i I don't know i just i don't i'm i don't have high hopes for it it's It's, ubisoft it's ubisoft how can it be too serious Mm. we'll see 8th 8th of november that one on all platforms Yep, skull and bones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Simon, uh, what do you what do you got for us? What do you got for us this week? Hey, have, have you, you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No. Have you heard about this? Um, I want well, to. I think you have actually. We were just talking about it before the show. Yeah, no, I have actually heard this, but yeah, uh, pretend, uh, anyway, um, pretend that I haven't. Uh, <laughs> oh, you haven't? No. Oh, well, have you seen this? Um, no. Unity CEO John <laughs> Ricciatello who's a bit of a bloke, um, in an interview this week was being asked about what he thinks about devs not wanting to implement microtransactions in their games and responded with some comments that basically caused, well, a lot of devs to well, think about switching engines for before, a start. Uh, before um, you go and, 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 and put it out there, uh, what what is the general view of the DG crew about microtransactions in games? They can go suck a fuck. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's that's uh, Steely. Yeah. Ferg. What do you reckon? Yeah. Not, not a fan. I mean, overall, not a fan. They no. can be done in a way that you know. You know, I think of thought. Um, Fortnite is just skins, cosmetics, yeah. that kind of stuff. Don't have an issue. Um, but you know, the pay to play and to make it a better experience than what it is when it's when it doesn't cost you anything or after you pay money. Not a fan. Yep. Uh, uh, C Mac, what, what's your take? Microtransactions. Oh, exactly the same as Ferg. Like, right. yeah, with Fortnite, it was <laughs> just get a fun dance for a, for a bit, or yeah, I just and it was hate fun it. To play to start off with. Yeah, know, I don't. So. Yeah, so no all right, offense. so we're all pretty much of the the same consensus. Microtransactions suck ass. Mm. Mm-hmm. The balls harden. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're on the same so, page, what what did uh, yeah, what did old yeah. mate have to say, uh, Simdog? So the former EA CEO, uh, no surprises there, him being a C- <laughs> former CEO of EA, um, said the following: "It's a very small portion of the gaming industry that works that way, and some of these people are my favourite people in the world to fight with. They're the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people. They're also some of the biggest fucking idiots." Um, and then just days after this, he went public and then uh, responded with this tweet, clickbait, out of full context, deeply sorry if what I said offended any game dev, absolutely love the people that make games creative, hard work. Now, look, honest to goodness. I don't even know goodness, what you just said. So basically he was saying that anybody that doesn't want to put microtransactions into games are fucking idiots for a start. And then he comes out a couple of days later and says, uh, somebody, this is out of context, uh, this, you know, like, 
Um, I didn't really mean it that way. I'm sorry, everyone. I love you. So, um, in what but- in what context should people actually take uh, a former uh, CEO of EA telling everyone that they're fucking idiots? <laughs> yeah, wow. oh, I know. Is uh, this guy might as well buy himself a t-shirt that says "I'm a massive fuckhead" on it because he <laughs> is, and I can't bear him. Um, but I, I say, you know, yes to those devs that just want to make fun experiences for us to play and put so much of their time and effort into building worlds for us to explore. Opportunist fucking fuckholes like this guy are just the reason why the industry is becoming such a minefield full of shit experiences and, like, but things that we... But seriously, um, guys like this obviously um, didn't get into the industry because they love games, which shits me as well. Um, they they got into, you know, like, and don't get me wrong, you know, like any other industry, this comes down to business. It's business and viability and profits, and I get that for these companies. Like, these companies need to make money in order to survive, and that's fine. But people like him just got into it to basically monetize us the players and everything and take advantage of people like you and me and everybody that listens to the podcast all three of them or wait no i shit canned the xenoblade chronicles guys and you did too jb so yeah sorry about uh, that xenoblade and then the chronicles robocop fans. fans so probably down to one now but no, um, fuck, fuck the robocop but, you know, fans uh, fuck, well, fuck them um uh, but seriously um that there is, you know, there is a good portion of people that will just buy like a fucking four dollar hat in a video game because it's free, uh, because the the free hat, sorry, um, is just you know like the a shit kind of hat that comes with a game that you're playing, and they 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 think it looks like shit, so they want to buy the four dollar hat, and so there's your easy four bucks on top of mm. a game that you've got, you know, and it's just look, this is what I have to say to John Ricciatello. Lick it before you slip yeah, it, you yeah. fucking ding dong. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. Uh, uh, John Richardello. Fuck up everything. Yeah, I think Steely hits yeah. the nail on the head there. I mean, we yeah. were talking about mobile games, and they start from a space of how we're going to maximize the most amount of money that we can make. And, you know, it's, it's the people in the gaming industry that their intention, one, is to make a great game that people are going to love, and the money whilst it's important, micro transactions, they're an afterthought. You know, like you said, Simon, you make a great game, people will play it. If there's an option to buy a fancy hat and if they love the game, they probably will. But it doesn't start with that. It doesn't start with, all right, if you're going to have a good time, you need the fancy hat and therefore you need to give us your money. And you know what? If I was a game dev and I had the choice between rendering my game in Unreal Engine 5 or uh, Unity, I know where I'd be uh, spending my money um, and say, you know, Unity, you can uh, go and fuck Emotional off. damage! <laughs> and fuck you, John Richatello, yeah. for being a fucking money-grubbing dirty dog. Uh, all right, well... Uh, <laughs> we've now... Uh, yeah, well, I was thinking in my head before we started that one that... Uh, oh, this can only go fucking well. Um, C-Mac, come on, bring us, bring us back, bring from, us this, back to from this dark place that we've entered and uh, give us some good news. Oh, here's some great news, guys. God of War Ragnarok. i got to tell you, Santa Monica Studio don't have to be worrying about their dick pics anymore. 
No one's going to be sending in any more dick pics to them because they announced a release date of November 9 this year. Wow. Jeez, well, uh, I, I really should have uh, queued up a bloody applause for that one. Uh, it's great news. Well, yeah, thanks, it's great news. Thanks you. for doing an ad hoc, uh, ad hoc one. But uh... <laughs> yes, so. Oh, sorry, that was oh. wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez, a week off, and we've gone to shambles. Oh, oh mate, it's it's falling apart. <laughs> falling apart. apart. What, what are we doing? Yes, yeah, so. Um... There we go. Oh, well, yeah. well done, Santa Monica. You guys rock. Well, that, that's what they say. They say November 9th. We hope we hope it's still yet to come out of that date. But, you know, of course, there's still people talking about the, you know, the bad things about this release date. Someone on Twitter said they, what do they say here? One user stated the game's release date was in order to have something for this holiday and not because it's a reasonable launch date. And that they noted that they're hoping there is no crunch and everything is going according to plan. Always someone, similar to Simon, wants a delay because he wants it to be a good game. But the producer of the game actually has replied to this in question and said, I feel like we thought a lot about what date is best and chose the best date for the team, the game, and the fans. Who is it? Barlog. Yeah, Corey so Barlog. Look at Corey Barlog, yes, that's what he said. So... There you go. Not a, not a lot of information on the game. They released a bit of a trailer as well with the um, release date as well. So it looks amazing. looks great. And I really hope it is November 9th, four mm. days before my birthday. Hint, hint Simon. Mm. Oh, well, don't you worry. That'll be an early present for me for <laughs> your birthday as well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, uh, look, uh, I'd like to weigh in on this, this debate. Yeah. Because I could tell you... Like, they could literally release this fucking game on any day of the year. I would buy it. Mm. Like, God of War 2018 was a masterpiece. I've got no reason to think that this won't also be a masterpiece and continue on, you know, the amazing uh, trend that that Santa Monica have already already started. So, you know, if you're... Yeah, I don't think people are hanging out for Christmas. Like, people are going to go, oh, wow, I'm going to wait until Christmas Day to buy this game. People are going to buy it any day of the year, like every other game there is. Here's the thing that gives me the turds as well. (laughs) Honest to goodness, what gives anyone, especially like what you just said, Joel, after the masterpiece of God of War 2018, to even fucking Question. question... a release date of Santa Monica Studios when they just ripped out the biggest banger of 2018 mm-hmm. and have, you know, given a, quite a good amount of time now. It's four years to slap out another one. Uh, come on, just don't even fucking question it. It's going to be The good. fact that they, he, he actually replied directly to that, mm. they're pretty yeah. confident, I think. Yeah, I'm confident they'll hit that hit that date. Look, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You, you could release it on, you know, the perfect date, you know, that you think is going to suit everybody and and some fucking troll neckbeard sitting over in his fucking mummy's basement is going to have some reason why it's fucked and, you know, and complain about it. So, you know what, Santa Monica, you, you go for it. You do you. Do you and uh, well done. I've got to catch up. I've got to play the uh, 2018 God of War. Still haven't done it, but... I've got oh, time. Mate. I've got how many months? I've got five it's, months. Uh, it's a free download if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. So get amongst mm. it, download it, 
smash it mm-hmm. out. You'll, you'll have the bloody time of your life. Mm. Apparently, um, um, as well, the announcement, the release tr- date announcement on Instagram got a million on the PlayStation Instagram, a million likes in just under 17 hours, cool. which for a game mm. is probably, I think, the most that they've ever had for a game. I think it had yeah. 5 million or something for the announcement of the PlayStation 5 yeah. or something like that. But yeah, like a million. <laughs> in 17 mm. hours, like anticipation, much? <laughs> yeah, I know EB Games mm. have got. What are they running a collector's edition? I'm pretty sure they've sold out of all of that already. I think that was like a 250 dollar. Got like an axe and all sorts of crazy stuff, and I think mm-hmm. all of their, uh, you know, supply there's gone. I think. Yeah, I wow. wonder if you could get like a like a, a, a pretend like Mimir severed head uh, yeah. that you could sort of. Uh, <laughs> You know, carry with okay. you, make make pithy <laughs> remarks while you're, uh, you know, or like a strap on Kratos beard. Oh, I'm glad you said beard. Then <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're mine, JB. I tell you oh, what, mate. mate. It's uh, it's never been any different. I'll, uh... I heard that um, that uh, at JB Hi-Fi with the pre-ordering situation that you'd actually get your own Atreus. And all it is is just a little orphan child who um, they dress up in cosplay to try and get them out of the orphanages. What? <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> just telling you right now. That's what I heard. Well, uh, you, get down to JB Hi-Fi and secure your. Uh... <laughs> too, too hot to handle this news you, I'm telling you you heard it here first free, get your free, free orphan post. Atreus at JB Hi-Fi <laughs> uh, <laughs> well uh, yep. thank you to uh, Steely Handbrake McLaughlin for uh, for yep. bringing Pulled that up the handbrakes bringing that segment to a close but uh, right what now we're going to get into our uh, our patented weekly uh, novelty segment. So uh, let's let's go. Fuck up everything. And this week we're going to have a look at the games that got us into gaming. This is like games that that were sort of uh, that played a big role in our lives. Something that was really um, you know a, a key part of our gaming life in in some way or another. And uh, I'm thinking maybe Ferg could uh, could kick the segment Lead off this off. week and uh, let us know what was the game that was super seminal, super important in your life. Absolutely. Um, so my game that I want to talk about, JB, is SimCity 2000. Wow. What an absolute classic. <laughs> now, I think we've talked in the podcast previously about earliest gaming experiences. This one's not my earliest one, but SimCity 2000 was definitely the gateway drug to my love for all things simulation and resource <laughs> management um, video games. So, SimCity 2000, like I said, it's a city building simulation game developed by Maxis, um, and it was re- originally released back in 1993. And I think what I just loved about SimCity was it was just there was an endless amount of possibilities and how you could design a city there weren't any set rules you basically had free reign to do basically whatever you wanted so unlimited choices of where to place your parks your roads your schools um, and it had a really cool trial and error loop that exists in the game and in many of these games so you know try one tactic does it work not really try something else and and if you've ever played these games and remember SimCity 2000 in itself 
once you've basically got an up and going city, there was an option to basically destroy it with all sorts of disasters. So floods, fires, tornadoes, there was alien invasions. Mm-hmm. And I always remember in SimCity 2000, there was that massive, it was like a walking robot with the eye would just come in and decimate, oh, yeah. decimate yeah. your city. So there'd be endless hours of just wrecking a city after you build it, which is always good fun. And then, you know, loading up a new city and just destroying it. So... Yeah, I've got some fantastic childhood memories too. In particular, we actually had SimCity 2000 on the school computers. So, I don't know what the loophole was there. It was some kind of educational link. But I just remember in recess and lunch just playing SimCity 2000 with my mates. And I remember we had some family friends of ours. And I don't know how, but we were around there one day and I must have said, oh, you've got a computer. Do you have any games? And found out that they had SimCity 2000. And so, every time we'd go around at the family friend's place, I'd just can I play on your computer? And it'd be like mum and dad mm. being like, right, it's time to go home. And I'd be like, nah. Nah, I'm not go, finished just, yet. I'm not finished yet. I'm still playing. <laughs> I'm but, still finishing <laughs> this this level of lemmings. Yeah, you know? That's it. I haven't destroyed my, uh, haven't flooded my city yet. But yeah, you know, <laughs> these games, I knew they left an impression on me because, I mean, I've had a number of conversations with my parents later on where they sort of told me as a kid, I was telling sort of mum like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd always tell her, like, you know, I want to design cities as a job after school, get into the urban development stuff. And we used to have, I don't know where mum got it from, but it was like these industrial size rolls of paper. It was like the butcher's paper. Mm. And, you know, I'd just sit there and just draw like cities and roads and stuff. You know, I was like that, uh, that possessed kid in the ring, you know, how you'd just be (laughs) scribbling circles instead of circles. I'd be, you know, drawing highly efficient transport systems. And uh, I thought you were talking about the, the, the girl with the hair over her face that crawls out of the TV. I was going to go, wow, that's uh, the uh, the artist kid. That's freaky. So yeah, that was probably my first introduction to those kinds of games. And then soon after I got into, I mean, Max has had a massive soiree of games in the nineties. I mean, I, we had Sim Safari, which was another one, which I played endlessly. It was fantastic. And then obviously the original Sims game and, you know, upwards you ever, and onwards. Did you ever play Sim Ant? I didn't play Sim Ant. No, of Sim Ant, but they had heaps. I mean, they had Sim. Mm. I don't know, Sim everything. Yeah, I think there was like a farming one as well, like Sim Farm or something. Yeah, there was heaps of them. There was a massive collection of, of different games. But I yeah, just, I just remember Sim City Two Thousand because you had to lay like water pipe under the ground everywhere. It was yep. a real pain in the ass. <laughs> and then like you could build subways and stuff for the first time. Yep. Like that was pretty cool and. Um, I think uh, one of the big differences between SimCity and SimCity 2000 was in SimCity you would lay like a block and it was like a residential block yep. and it was always like a set size. Yeah. And um, in SimCity 2000 you could you could zone, make the yeah. you know light, medium, and heavy areas as yep. big or as small as you like, basically, and yep. you know make these massive sort of. Uh, blocks where they could build skyscrapers on or build like little trailer parks and you know have all the deros living in, in yeah that's that it one area and out in the back left hand corner of your map yeah right next to the industrial zone <laughs> yeah, where it's all the, polluted and the coal shit. power plant yeah so yeah sim city 2000 what an amazing game and like i said that that opened the uh, the door for my love for all those types of games so yeah a classic absolute classic oh absolute classic let's hear it for sim city 2000 nice one All right, Simo, what do you got? What do you got for us? I just want to say before uh, I uh, give you my game, I actually did have a copy of uh, um, Simant, but it got stepped on. Well, uh, 
<laughs> hey man, you want to play some video games? That's uh, <laughs> nice work. That's my joke. Thanks, yeah. laughing, Ferg. I can't even yeah. get it out. No, oh, yeah, I just, I didn't, I thought about that one for a while, and then I said it, and it wasn't as funny when it came out of my mouth. Uh, well, I know I how that it. feels, Simo. You know what they say, Simo. <laughs> oh, this can only go fucking well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Thanks, but Trevor. He, look. Uh, um, the game that uh, not really that got me into gaming but that got me back into gaming um, was and I, I think I have you to thank for this JB um, partially because um, back in the day uh, because I can't remember what year it was um, you had a Wii I did and <laughs> I've had many that- <laughs> over the years yeah. <laughs> And um, sorry, on, sorry, mate. On the that Nintendo- was, uh... No, that's all right. That was a good one. That was very good. It was about as good as my aunt joke. Um, yeah. when, when you know, when I'd come up to Adelaide and eventually start living up in Adelaide, you had your your Wii at um, you know Beck and Rick's house in Waddle Street, and if you guys wanted to know where everybody lived in the past. Um, yeah. Don't give out the number and, and the passcode. Maybe maybe pull back on, <laughs> on some of those details, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember obviously like enjoying playing a bit of Wii bowling with everyone and stuff like that. That was always fun and like, you know, the Wii sports and stuff. But And then I, you know, one night I just thought, oh, shit, I haven't played like a proper game in a while or like, a, you know, a Zelda game. And I saw Twilight Princess there and... I put this in and I got the nunchuck and the bloody Wiimote, plugged it together. I think I asked you what the hell to do and you were like, I'll just do this, plug it together and fire it up and um, every single night until completion, a full, I think it was around, you know, maybe 30, 36 hours or something of playing the game, I, every single night I would play it and I would play it as much as I possibly could and I think I finished it in about a week and a bit because I, for quite a long period of time, I'd kind of stopped playing games and when I sort of, when I just had this thought of, oh, you know, this kind of looks cool, you know, looks sort of similar to Ocarina of Time and I remember playing that game and I really liked it when I was a kid but it blew me away. I, I just, I, I don't know what it was about it, I know that, you know, games had advanced a bit more when that game came out, when I played it, you know, we had PS3s and things like that as well that were coming out um, and the graphics and everything were getting so much better. But this game, for some reason, it just completely spoke to me in a way that I just, I never experienced before. And it made me realize that I really loved games and that, even though I'd thought, oh, games is like this thing that you do if you're, you know, a loner and it costs lots of money, <laughs> I, I fucking love games. And I, I think that it started this passion in me to kind of understand more about why I loved games and what kind of games I loved and to appreciate the artistry of what goes into creating stories and experiences in modern gaming as well and it's followed me through to this day is that's that's why we're here i think because i played twilight princess you know is that's Mm. that's kind of what what got me so deeply into it um because that game is just absolutely phenomenal to start off with and even though um you know you can say what you like about the the wiimote and the nunchuck and the um any of the motion controls on the wii but it, it worked. I think it kind of elevated the game a little bit. It was a lot of fun and 
Um, it was just for the time as well, even though it was gimmicky, it was just a fun new way to play a Zelda game. And I just didn't realize I would love it so much. And one of my favorite endings um, in in Zelda history, it's just got the best ending. I'm going to spoil it for you now. It's when Link goes <laughs> and stabs the fucking Master Sword in the chest of uh, Ganon. And then he's standing up and he's delivering his last little speech and Zant's around the corner and he snaps his neck and then Ganon just is standing there and he dies standing up. What a fucking ending. It's just the most powerful Ganondorf death you'll see in a Zelda game. It was just so, so good. So there you go. Anyway, nice. Twilight Princess. Yeah. Nice. Well, <clears throat> Twilight Princess was a phenomenal game. I remember playing it and thinking like... I'm going to come. It's one of the best, easily one of the best Zelda games, in my opinion, um, in, in, yeah, ever. Mm. Um, I even liked mm. it better than Breath of the Wild. Controversial, I know, but mm. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll rate it right up there. Stick to your guns, JB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they had some really good mechanics. You could, you know, turn into the wolf and back again, and you could do different shit when you were the wolf compared to when you were Link, and you know, mm-hmm. and the the combination of the nunchuck and the Wii Mote, where uh, if you were aiming your bow and arrow or like the hook shot or any of those weapons that you know were thrown um you would sort of aim by pointing the Wiimote at the mm. screen and you get like a target and then you'd pull the trigger on the the nunchuck and that would yeah. sort of initiate it it worked like so good mm. it was one of the best yeah sort of aiming mechanics mm. uh, of of any game um that i've played like uh, even mm. up to this date um, and I'm quite happy to go on the record saying that. So, nice. Uh, nice. I agree with you, mate. Yeah, it just worked so well. Fabulous. Well, that so that well. is a, an absolute uh, amazing choice. Uh, C-Mac. Hey, man, you want to play some video games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so even just hearing Ferg's story about simulation games, mine, mine was a bit different, but... If I even go back a bit further, I've always loved Sims, the Sims games, mm. and Theme Hospital, Theme Park, the zoo one. What's the zoo one? I'm trying. I can't remember what the zoo one is. Zoo Life. I don't zoo, know. Sim Safari zoo, was a kind of zoo one, but I think yeah, I think you're right. I think there was another zoo one. Might have even yeah, been so called. Yeah, so that was, was pretty Jurassic much the Park only one yeah. as well. Mm. Like yeah, so that Park was pretty much the only dinosaurs theme park. Maybe yeah. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah, so I used to play those when I was really young on my computer and I loved them, but you know, that's sort of the furthest I got with video games. And the only kind of what started my love for gaming even more, I had an uh, Game Boy SP mm. and I just bought it just to play some old Game so Boy games from childhood. For those of us who didn't have one, remind us what, what was the, uh, the Game Boy SP? What was the... Um... What 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 it sort of looked like? How did it play? What was uh, what was the go? It was like a square. Yeah, it was just a square handheld from Nintendo, and it was like the flip phone it, it was, of hand consoles. Yeah, it was like it's right. It's like a <laughs> yeah. flip phone. Yeah, so it was a flip a flip Game Boy, and it did it have played two screens Game Boy. Or just Pardon? one? Did it have two screens or just one screen or? No, no, just one screen at the top. So like a flip phone, and the bottom was the um the controls. So okay, you know okay. your D pad yeah. and all of that. 
and um, the top the top screen as well could light up. It was amazing. Mm. It was yeah, incredible. It was a step up of the Game Boy Advance. So Game Boy Advance SP with the and, light. And what screen. I liked about it as well was I could play not only like my original Game Boy games, but you can play Game Boy Advance games. But mm. oh, I never killer. really had a Game Boy Advance, so I literally got it to play my Game Boy games on because that was the only console that was out at the time. And then the first sort of Game Boy S, like sorry, a Game Boy Advance game that I bought for it was Pokemon Ruby. Um, and I, I hadn't really played much Pokemon games before that. I think I might have played Pokemon Crystal on the Game Boy before, but Pokemon Ruby, what a game! It was. Oh. A, it was. Let's let's such... hear it for Pokemon Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh yeah. It was Ruby and Sapphire, wasn't it? I think I had Sapphire. I don't think I had Ruby. I think I had mm, Sapphire. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think you're right. Yeah, and it was such a great game, especially playing it on the colour screen as well. <laughs> colour. Because <laughs> I only had the old, old Game Boy. Oh, no, I had a Game Boy Colour too. Anyway, it was oh, such God. an amazing game. I, I, I It really got me back into gaming. So from there, I bought the um, Nintendo DS after that and I got Zelda, Phantom Hourglass, Link. Oh, gosh. Spirit Tracks. Spirit Tracks. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Link Between Worlds. And, yeah, ever since then, I just, yeah, kept buying video games Mm-hmm. games on my handheld pretty much i never really had a console until i met simon but um yeah i it, it all started with yeah pokemon ruby it made me want to start buying more games and mm-hmm. there you go great game well great pokemon game. ruby you yeah i'll we'll, we'll give you another one get a double clap yep. <laughs> classic well deserved classic <laughs> so for for me i i thought about this question so much and i'm like I'm, th- I'm thinking to myself, I-, I can't just come up with one. I- I've got, like, so many different platforms that I've played games on over the years, like ones that probably predate your birth even, you know. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm going to just pick a-, a little, you know, one game from each system that was important to me for some reason. I'll, I'll take you back, first of all, to the era of the Commodore 64. So, mm. I mean... Ferg, you might have. No, nah, don't think no, so. He's, he's, I'm shaking, he's shaking his head, his head at me, so, so uh, definitely not. Uh, that was the 80s, wasn't it, John? Well, yeah. Oh, this can only go fucking well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, before my time. Yeah, just. I, I didn't actually own it. It was my cousin, Adam, that had the Commodore 64. I'd, I'd get to play it when I went around to his place. And uh, he had uh, a game from LucasArts on that uh, Commodore called Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey man, you want to play some video games? I certainly did. And um, <laughs> Maniac Mansion, at a time when so many of the games on Commodore 64 were so basic and really didn't have much of a story or anything like that, Maniac Mansion was just like groundbreaking. So, the premise was um, you had to select three different players and you would go up to this this sort of mansion and one of your, uh, like the main character, his girlfriend was missing and had been kidnapped by the, the evil Dr. Fred uh, who lived in, in said maniac mansion and you had to go in and, and find her and there was all sorts of, you know, stuff that you'd come up against along the way. It was actually the prequel game to Day of the Tentacle. So... Mm. Uh, uh, Day of the Tentacle was like a like a spiritual sequel to Maniac Mansion, if you like. Yeah. 
Um, and it was one of the first games to introduce the scum uh, scripting language behind all the best LucasArts adventure games to follow, such as Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max Hit the Road, Monkey Island, and many, many more. Um, so that one I I played, and it had multiple different endings. So you could finish the game you know, different ways and get you know, different outcomes. It was really quite extraordinary for, for that time, like just unreal. Um so then I'll, I'll progress on to the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. And the the one game that I just cannot go past for the NES was Duck Hunt. It was mm. the game that shipped with oh, yeah. the console. And, uh, you know, Duck Hunt, I'll tell you what, I, I still remember sitting there with my older brother on the Christmas that we got the NES, unwrapping the shiny new box, the light gun, yeah, like yeah. unpacking it all, tuning it into the TV, and just sitting there and blasting away at these ducks. It was actually we got it, and it was shipped with a, a cartridge that had Duck Hunt and the original Super Mario Brothers on the same cartridge, so you could play either. Nice. And uh, oh, mate, so much fun. Uh, apart from. That fucking annoying dog that would laugh at you <laughs> if you missed the ducks, and he'd you know sort of like pop up and he'd, he'd give you the, the steely sort of <laughs> you know sort of uh, you know muttly sort of laugh, and the amount of times you'd sit there and try and blast him you know while he's laughing at you, but obviously uh, the gun's sort of disabled at that point. But oh fuck me, we wanted to we wanted to blow that dog's head off, uh, and if if that had been an option. Uh, he would have been uh, gone every time. So just uh, stepping forward again, Super NES. The one game that stands out uh, for me was the original Mario Kart. So Mario Kart 1. Mate, what, what a groundbreaking game for so many reasons. So this was the game that took the Mario franchise in an amazing new direction mm. And really was the start of all the spin-offs to Mario that came after, like Mario Tennis, Mario Party, Super Smash Brothers, all of those games. I strongly believe none of those games would have existed if Mario Kart had mm. been a flop. And oh, we would sit for hours and hours like playing Mario Kart, but mainly playing like the battle mode where you mm. had the uh, the balls circling around your car and you know shooting yeah. turtle shells at each other and all of that. So much fun. So much fun. What an amazing game for Super NES. And then uh, just to finish off, uh, I, I couldn't couldn't possibly uh, close this off without uh, throwing in one of my favourite Nintendo 64 titles. And um, uh, if you couldn't tell, I was a bit of a Nintendo fanboy back in the day. And the, the N64 title, like, there's obviously like so many that you could choose from. Mm. But the one that really stood out for me, and it's it's the one that I picked because everywhere, every store that sold Nintendo 64 had like a demonstration console set up and every single one of them had the same game loaded in. Can I have a guess? Go for it. Is it Wave Rider? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I've never seen that game everywhere. Oh, everywhere. This is one of my favourite games of all time. Uh, Simo, do you want to do you want to uh, hazard a guess as to what the game is that that literally every shop that had a Nintendo sixty four on display had loaded into it? Mm. 
Oh, if it's if it's not Mario Kart 64, it's gonna be some. It's gonna be fucking Pre- Goldeneye or something like that. Uh, no, no, predates Goldeneye. It'd have to be a P. Like they're not gonna have an M rated game. The game so was be... Shadows of the Empire. No, I wouldn't guess that. No, what I the fuck guess. is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's a Star Wars game. It's a Star Wars game, and mm-hmm. they had it on display, and in particular. The game was used to showcase the N64 hardware um, and it was a game changer for not only console gaming but for Star Wars games in general. And in particular, the section uh, of the game where you had to fly the snow speeder during the invasion on Hoth mm. and had to trip the ATATs over with the tow cable. And so, like, everywhere. I remember going to every shop and there'd always be some dude sitting there flying the snow speeder around and around these things with the tow cable trying to trip them over and people were losing their their fucking mm. minds like they'd <laughs> never seen anything like this before and like as you turned the ship like the the flaps would sort of change on the side like it was just so good mm. so good and and you know Shadows of the Empire was one of the main launch titles for the N64 and I think you know you had Shadows of the Empire Mario 64 Wave Race. Mm, yeah. um, Wave Race 64, not Wave Racer, sorry. Yeah. Wave Race 64. Yeah, and they, they were like the main launch titles and then games like GoldenEye and that came a little bit later. But Shadows of the Empire, great fucking game. Mm. And even to this day, like the the music from the levels, like anyone who played that game to death back in the day, you hear that music, that Star Wars music from mm. that game and you're right back there again. Like it was just so... Memorable, easily nice. one of the best Star Wars games to ever hit consoles. So, mm. uh, uh, Shadows of the Empire, this Have one's for you. <laughs> did uh, did you ever have a go at that one, Simo? No, no, I didn't really play a lot of uh, Star Wars games. My first kind of Star Wars game that I played was probably Episode One um, Racer. Pod Racer, that, that was know, fantastic. I, that I remember was going to somebody's house and playing that um, a couple of times, and you know, being quite a cool experience for what it was. I mean, there was a lot of hype around that movie when it first came out, and uh, little me was just kind of like, "Yeah, fuck yes, Episode One Racer." So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Nintendo sixty four. What a what a fucking console! Yeah, just a powerhouse. Great games. Yeah, for like, just uh, it, it was up against some pretty hard competition when the yeah the original PlayStation launched, and that had some amazing titles on it as well. Uh, my older brother had that, and and you know we would constantly sort of argue about who had the better consoles. I had the N sixty four. He had the PlayStation, mm. and and in all honesty, both consoles had games on on each of them that were just like killer Mm. so yeah really really Mm. amazing great time in gaming for sure oh absolute renaissance in gaming uh the old uh back back in the day the n64 oh yeah anyway um that's about all the time we have for this week on the discerning gamer it's been an absolute pleasure to be back with you once again and uh you know uh we, we've we've had a ball. Mm. We've had an absolute ball this oh, week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd like to thank the uh, the DG crew for uh, unpacking it all with me, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thanks, JB. Good on you, mate. Uh, always a pleasure. And Simon Steely-McLaughlin, thank you. Thank you once again, Joel, for 
always making sure you tinkle before you winkle. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other as, way. It's not as good as lick it before you slip it. I get, I get it. You know, it's, <laughs> trying something new. I was trying something new and it, it flopped. It flopped everyone. Well, yeah. it's always good to flop before you lick it or stick it or whatever you say. Uh, you know. Ubisoft, am I right? Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I will after thinking about that. And uh, finally, uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to the Nintendo Queen for... Not only discussing all these games with us, but putting up with our juvenile <laughs> filth as well. Uh, Casey C. Mac McLaughlin, thank you. Thanks, Joel. I've been very quiet the past 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you need to get in touch with us and tell us how juvenile you think we actually are, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, or send us a, an email, descendinggamerpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you next week. See ya. Bye. Boy.